Shalom. Our topic uh, is the first of a two two part uh, series on gambling uh, and halacha. Uh, first one will be betting on a chess game, and through through today's uh, discussion, we'll get the fundamentals of of where gambling fits in in halacha. And then, God willing, next time I would like to deal with uh, the issue of buying a lottery ticket, and uh, uh, focus a little bit on. Ravavad Yosef versus other post game on that topic. Now, so today will be uh, uh, laying the groundwork, fundamentals, and uh, a practical case betting on a chess game, and uh, and God willing, next week uh, lottery tickets. And now this material is a uh, material I prepared quite a few years back about for uh, for uh, Nirla Elif, which now is called Olami. And uh, the idea was uh, to prepare uh, a source material for outreach rabbis to be able to uh, to to give a Gemara shir uh, from scratch. And so everything is is is. Uh, Bezrat Hashem, we tried to make everything as clear as possible. Uh, the cases uh, are sometimes a little, uh, um, you know, geared towards towards the uh, the particular audience that we were working with. But I, we'll go with the two cases that we have here, which I think are good illustrations. And we'll just follow. We'll follow the shear, and uh, it's it's my words, but my words as I wrote them down. Uh, uh, and and uh, thank God was uh, was aided by a couple stages of editing after me. So uh, so I think I thank the others that were part of the system. Now uh, here's the question: uh, We're going to discuss the issue of gambling and halacha. Uh, just one introduction I'd like to make is that there's there's a halachic issue, and there are a lot of extra halachic issues. Not that they're not halacha, but there are different aspects of halacha. Some have to do with midot, which is also halacha, the mitzvah of, of walking in God's ways. Uh, so, so gambling is something that is a very important issue with regards to, to, uh, to midot, to character. So we're not ignoring those issues, um, uh, which, are, which are extremely important. Uh, there is another issue, uh, which is uh, perhaps even a health issue beyond a Midos issue, is, is that there is a very serious addiction called gambling addiction, uh, which somebody who, who has that. So gambling is not only uh, uh, perhaps uh, uh, might, might uh, be, be a, uh, a Midos uh, challenge or something that he he would he would have to deal with maybe wasn't you know isn't the greatest thing or not necessarily connected with Jewish values like uh, like um, uh, uh, the work at the Jewish work ethic uh, or or um, the uh, the environment of a of a casino let's say or 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 betting. Uh, but for somebody who is who is addicted to gambling, so then so then getting into gambling could be could be deadly, uh, deadly not only financial. It, it theoretically could be literally deadly because people get into uh, borrowing amazing sums of money uh, uh, from from sources uh, that that prey on such people. Uh, so they might get into. They might not get into uh, to borrowing from the mafia or those kinds of things, um, and and it's it's not that is not a joke at all. Very very serious. So so uh, we're going to be dealing with gambling and halacha, but it should be known that gambling is also something that seriously impacts on on midot, on character, on Jewish values, uh, but might also uh, impact on 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 health. Um, I might also point out that a lot of things having to do with gambling might also end up being associated with stuff that's really bad, like like uh, like uh, like I mentioned the mafia already. So, Mister, um, uh, they're involved in a lot of that stuff. Okay, um, the 
maybe maybe we'll do a session at the end. Uh, maybe we'll do a third session on some of the the extra halachic issues or or uh, or meta meta halachic issues. Okay, here's our here's our case. Uh, Kinsheri's neighbor, Murray, just back from a synagogue gambling weekend in Atlantic City, serve as a witness at Sherry and Jason's Jewish wedding. Sherry and Jason were planning their wedding. They really wanted to find a way to honor Murray Goldstein, Sherry's family neighbor and lawyer, who was practically like an uncle to her. So they decided to invite him to be one of their witnesses, validating the proceedings of their wedding ceremony. Um, and we're looking through a guide to Jewish marriage, and Murray seemed to fit the bill. He was not related to either of them and was observant of Jewish law. Wait a second, said Sherry. I know this is a strange thing to mention, but the book says here that a gambler is invalid as a witness. Of course, I know that Murray is not a professional gambler, and he's a very good Jew, but he does go on those weekend gambling events. Because this is our wedding, I want to be extra sure that our witnesses are 100% kosher. Let's give Rabbi Levine a call to make sure. So this is this is the issue. Um, this might be an issue even at a standard wedding uh, that, um, let's say somebody, uh, uh, not everybody when they, it might be a good idea to get as witnesses on your wedding, the two greatest uh, tzaddikim and talmidich hachamim your, on your guest list. Uh, but a lot of times people ask their friends to be witnesses. And uh, it is true that the Masada Kedushin uh, uh, asks a um, uh, ask the the witnesses to to be Maharabuchuva to think about doing chuva. Um, but um, what about somebody who who occasionally gambles, occasionally does uh, online gambling, occasionally uh, uh, goes to goes to some uh, gambling event or or like or like uh, him and his friends play. Uh, pay poker or or uh, or bet on Shespesh uh, or whatever it is. Shespesh is uh, backgammon. Okay, so step one in this is to understand the requirements of a witness. Now, the halachas of gambling appear in two different contexts. One is the laws of witnesses, and number two is the laws of 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 theft. So we're going to first deal with the issue of witnesses. So the the Torah says. A wicked person cannot serve as a witness. You shall not accept a false report. Do not join hands with a wicked person to be a corrupt witness. Um, again, the Pasuk speaks about Rasha, an evil person. But the the definition of Rasha doesn't necessarily mean, you know, somebody who's, who's uh, you know, rogue, uh, uh, you know, the, the epitome of evil. The Rambam, the Rambam Maimonides, he, de, he, he defines uh, those, again, based on the Gemara and based on the Sugis, those people that are classified as Rishoim are invalid. Shenemar, he quotes our Pasuk, meaning that Pasuk says uh, not to accept a false report, not to join hands with an evil person. But Chazal understood that that Pusik in, in implicit or between the lines in that Pusik is that a Russia shouldn't be a shouldn't be a witness. And if you uh, if you do have a witness uh who's a Russia, so then you're so to speak joining hands with the with the Russia. But of course the question is how do you how do you define a Russia? So the Shulchan Aruch rules that a wicked person here is not somebody who is uh, who is uh, his whole life is evil, or he wants to? He's he's uh, he has all of his midos are bad. It means somebody who transgresses a Torah or rabbinic law. So, now if a person transgressed a Torah or rabbinic law, which is most everybody, um, so your choser b'tshuva. But what if a person? Does transgress a law and didn't uh, do the proper chazarah b'tshuva that that would require. So, is is a is a gambler considered wicked in Jewish law? And if not, are there any other criteria that might uh, uh, disqualify a gambler as a witness? Oh wow, Um 
Please keep in mind that whether or not dis gambling disqualifies one from serving as a witness does not directly imply that gambling is halakhically permissible or forbidden. That's a very cru cru crucial issue, that there are two wings of this sugya, the wing of psuleidus, the wing of, of who's valid or invalid as a witness, and number two, what is permissible or what is not permissible to do. It's possible that it's it's prohibited to serve as a, uh, to to gamble, but still a gambler might not be uh, necessarily invalid uh, as a witness. And uh, could you do it in the other direction? Could, could it be permissible yet, uh, yet invalid? Mm, may, maybe, maybe, but we'll, 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 we'll let the, we'll let the sources speak for themselves. Okay. So our topic is a Mishnah. Eloin Absulim. Somebody who, who is a gambler, literally somebody who's a dice player. Somebody who lends with interest. People who are pigeon racers, and that also might be a, a gambler. When, when are these people invalid? This, these gamblers, and let's, we're, we're just going to focus on the gambler. Um, that's what they're a professional gambling. That's all they do. But if they have uh, some other profession, if they're a lawyer and uh, and they and they occasionally gamble, so Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda seems to say that he's kosher. So again, right away we might have uh, a Mishnah about about the the Shaila that came up. Can an occasional gambler? Serve as a witness and a chasana. It seems to be a machlokas, machlokas in the in the Mishnah. So now, Rav Yehuda, though, might be arguing with the first approach, and then we have a machlokas in the Mishnah. On the other hand, um, and then and then the halacha would be that we would follow the rabbi, we would follow the majority against Rabbi Yehuda. That would be the simple thing. And then, and then we would have an answer that Murray is invalid and they would have to find somebody else to be a witness and they'd have him hold on to a pole or something like that. On the other hand, uh, Rabbi Yehuda might just be qualifying and clarifying that only a professional gambling is gambler is invalid. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda might be arguing with what we refer to as the Tanakama, the first anonymously presented Tana, or he might be qualifying and explaining the uh, the Tanakama. So here we have one of those instances where we have a machlokas amoroyim about whether we have a machlokas tanoim. There's going to be a dispute between Amoraim uh, about, about whether, uh, whether in our Mishnah we actually have an argument or we have uh, one opinion with a qualification. Gemara. Mesachek Bekuvia, Maikavid. What did he do? What did he do? Mesachek Bekuvia. What did he do? Somebody who plays that game. Uh, Somebody who plays basketball is puzzled for for uh, for Edus, Meaning, what's what's wrong with that? Because the gambling winnings were attained through an asmachta transaction, and an asmachta transaction is not an effective transaction. But then it ends up that he has money that he got. In an, through an invalid transaction. Now, what is a smachta? So let, let's look over here the, the definition of a smachta. The loser handed him money as a result of a condition he did not expect to have to fulfill. In other words, uh, a person, let, let's translate a smachta as something that he's relying on. A person is relying on the fact that X is going to happen. And he makes a condition that I'm going to give you this. And he's doing it on the condition that X is going to happen. But then Y happens. Well, he didn't expect Y to happen. So, 
so that's that's our an example of an asmachta. Now the the Gemara uh, is um, um, the Gemara Rami Barchama seems to say that a gambler, even a one-time gambler, has taken money illegally from another, and therefore he's uh, a kind of thief. Now again, he doesn't rob banks, and it seems to be. Uh, like kind of a nice friendly game of of uh, of um, of whatever backgammon poker, uh, but but halachically is identified or or dice, but halachically is identified as a uh, as as somebody who's invalid as a witness for taking somebody's money illegally. Rav Amar, but Rav says Kol That's not an asmachta. Ella, why is a gambler invalid? Because he's not involved in, in, in settling the world. Now, what does that mean, settling the world? He doesn't have a productive ap- occupation. Meaning somebody who, somebody who, who, um, who uh, works in a factory and they're making uh, uh, leather goods and he makes leather cushions. So that's part of things that are needed in the world. And certainly somebody who's a, uh, who's a doctor, uh, uh, a therapist, whatever, uh, an accountant, all the professions, those are Yeshuvoshalolam. The world needs a lot of different things. The world needs food. And there's the whole food industry. The world needs uh, X, Y, and Z. And all the people that are working in all those kind of professions are doing our our are settling the world, so to speak, through through being involved in producing X, Y, and Z. But the people that are that are involved in gambling, so they go to work, they end up not generating anything productive for the world, and then they take the money and and and, and run, so to speak. So so the says Rev Sheshet they're not involved in a productive occupation. Now we still have to see why should this affect whether they're valid as a witness or not. And that's one of the things God willing will deal with. My Banaya, what's the difference between Rav, Rav, uh, Rami Barchama and Rav Shesha? So it seems to see, does it seem to be, does somebody have uh, another, another occupation? So, so, Wait a second, doesn't this sound like our Mishnah? Well, according to uh, Rami Barchama and Rav Sheshit are the ones that argue on our, on our interpretation of our Mishnah, Mar Savar Pligi or Mar Savar Lo Pligi. Uh, Rabbi Rami Barchama says that there's an argument in our Mishnah. The Chachamim, the anonymous Tanakama, holds that any gambling is some form of stealing. And therefore, because it is asmachta and asmachta lokanya, whereas Rav Sheshit holds that our Mishnah has one opinion that only a gambler who is who doesn't have any other profession is invalid. So there's a very there's a radical argument here because according to Rav Sheshit, only a professional gambler is invalid as a witness, as opposed to Rabbi Barhama says. Anybody who who did seems to seems to be that anybody who did any gambling is invalid as a witness. That's a radic, Those are two radically different approaches, which are based on two uh, radically different readings of our Mishnah. Now, why should somebody who is a professional gambler invalid as a witness? So there's different opinions in the Rishonim. Um, Rashi, Shein lo omnes so Rashi says the following, somebody who is not involved in normal activity, they are not familiar with laws, business, and they're not afraid of hate. They're not afraid of sin. They're not part of, they're not involved in things. And therefore things that are part of the world of a normal witness are are things that are not shy to them. Um, now, let's just read a little bit of extra commentary on this Rashi. 
He does not understand laws and business. And therefore, the information in his testimony is bound to be inaccurate. He doesn't really understand how business works. So when, when, when two people have an argument about, let's say, a partnership, and they come to Bastin and they call a witness. When two people have an argument about, about a loan or something like that, so they might come up with, with inaccurate information because they're not involved in all this stuff. Furthermore, he has not fear sin and is therefore tantamount to a Russia, an evil person whose testimony is invalid because that kind of a profession is something that a person is not involved with, with the world of, of Yerushalayim. Now, the Me'iri says as follows. They regularly lie in their profession because gambling involves a lot of uh, falsehoods. So they don't think, and, and they're not condemned for lying because that's part of the Part of the game. So, uh, so they they will lie and will not be worried about about lying being something to be condemned for. Number two, they're not familiar with the normal uh, 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 struggles and difficulties that people go through. Go through. They're not sensitive to other people's loss of money. So the Miri adds two different things. The again, Rashi said he won't give us accurate information because he's not familiar with business. Number two, he's not irechet, so that he might be a false witness. Miri adds two things. Number one, they are involved in a lot of falsehood as part of their gambling world. And number two, they don't they don't appreciate what it means to lose money, and so they might testify in a way that somebody loses money, but they but they're that's that's something that they're not sensitive to. Now the Rambam uh, is a third Rishon who, who who speaks about this topic, and the Rambam says something a little different. It's, a, it's somebody who, who all his, his profession is, is, uh, is just dice player. He's not involved in Yeshuvo Shololam. So here, here it is. It can be assumed that his livelihood is dependent on his gambling which is forbidden as the dust of theft. Now, there's a number of areas of halacha where we have something called avak, and then we name an avera. So there's avak ribis, avak lashanara, which is, so to speak, the dust of interest, the dust of lashanara, which is something which is in the periphery of the avera. Somebody who speaks um, uh, uh, core lashanara would be, let's say somebody says, uh, he's a no good net, uh, he's, uh, he's an obnoxious person, and he, uh, and that's why he got fired from his last job, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and you should see him at parties, he's, he's, he's always saying uh, terrible things, he says cuss words, that's Lashonara, that's straight Lashonara, but uh, Avag Lashonara would be something like, oh wow, we were at his house, that was a, it was an amazing spread. Wow. Uh, that would be a place to get invited over to. Now you ostensibly said something nice about the person, but now the guy might be overrun with guests that he might not be able to deal with. So it's a positive thing that ends up having a negative implication. So that's something that might be classified as avak lashonara. So the money of, that comes from gambling is Borderline theft. They would do different kinds of gambling on nutshells and pomegranate peels. I'm not familiar with that. And all sorts of gambling with with uh, with all sorts of animal races. Uh, whoever is Whoever is uh, is first, let's say they have a they have a race. Whoever's first gets both of them. 
and 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 the and the like. And again, it's that he is he is uh, he's a professional at this. These are rabbinic level uh, invalidities. So according to the Rambam, uh, the the uh, the gambler is is rabbinically level invalid. Now, to organize the material, there's three different uh, issues. Number one, he might give us false testimony, either like Rashi says, uh, because uh, they they don't uh, understand business, or like the Meiri says, they lie a lot, uh, or they don't appreciate how terrible it is to lose money for others to lose money. And so they might testify falsely. Uh, number two, he does not fear transgression and therefore he would be in the category of a Russian evil person in general, somebody who's not a Yerei Shemayim. So then, so then that would be this, this general category of somebody who's not a, he's not a Tzaddik, uh, but, but he's, he's, uh, uh, I, I, I would venture to say, a professional gambler. And then last is the Rambam, who says that he is um, he is rabbinically invalid because he lives on on stolen money, basically. Um, so now, um, okay. Now uh, again, we we suggest here there might be a couple of nafkaminas and a couple of practical ramifications between these different reasons that are given by the different. Uh, by the different Rishonim. For instance, um, somebody who loses money, and so he doesn't have money that, uh, he's a professional gambler, but he always loses. He's just bad at his profession. Um, well, that person, uh, his money is not gambling money, like the Ramam says. On the other hand, he does have the other two things. He might lie and he might uh, uh, fear transgression. Um, Okay, now, um, the Shulchan Aruch seems to Paskin like the Rambam. And he quotes the Rambam almost verbatim. So it sounds like only a professional value, uh, gambler is invalid as a witness. Uh, to sum it up, this, this section, a gambler cannot serve as a witness. Amoraim and perhaps even Tanoim, that's a machlokas Amoraim, argue about whether this just applies to a professional gambler or even to someone who won money through even one instance of gambling. Even one instance of winning at gambling would, according to one opinion, invalidate a witness since the one who eventually lost had really intended to win. So the winner taking another's money is considered a form of rabbinic level theft. We'll discuss this a little more later. According to the other opinion, only a gambler who has no other profession is invalid as a witness because He's not involved in a productive occupation. What's so terrible about not being involved in a productive occupation? Um, This invalidates him either because we assume he will give false testimony. That's uh, Meiri, Rashi. He might lie, he might understand business. Or because he does not fear sin, Rashi. Or because he has done rabbinically prohibited activities or on the periphery of theft. So we rule that only a professional gambler is invalid as a witness. Now, even though we said uh, that he's valid as a witness, that does not necessarily mean that it is permitted to do this. So, so that's our second thing, which is, can you gamble on, on a chess game? So here's our case. Uh, uh there was a bit of a stereotype here which is um two people from the former soviet union i think this is ukraine kharkov uh and uh, uh there there is a stereotype that they're all good at chess so vadim is extremely confident about his talents as an amateur chess player but so is dima they were both members of the kharkov chess clubs when they were kids and now as American citizens, each usually beats his American-born opponents. Now for the first time, they're up against each other in New York City's Washington Square Park. 
Dima, slightly overconfident, decides to make the game interesting, places $100 down on the table. How about putting down $100 of your own? Winner takes all. No problem. Vadim pulls out a crisp $100 bill. What would the halacha say about such a scenario? Is it permissible to bet on a chess game? And again, assuming we temporarily turn a blind eye on the ethical and spiritual dangers of arrogance and overconfidence, which are Midos issues, character issues, the extra legal reasons not to gamble. Somebody who's a gambling addict should definitely be not involved in this. And what about the issues that we're going to mention later on, uh, which include uh, uh, wasting time, get rich quick, uh, 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 competitiveness, etc. Now, we brought the Mishnah about invalid witnesses. And part of that discussion was Rami Barhama's uh, opinion. Rami Barhama said that it's prohibited to gamble because of asmachta. So now, we need to know what an asmachta is. So the classic example of an asmachta is it's described in a Mishnah in Baba Basra. And here it is. So this is, again, what we're, what we're trying to figure out is what could possibly wrong, be wrong with, with uh, uh, gambling? and uh, halakhically legally wrong with gambling. And, uh, and uh, again, assuming that you would, you would, like we said before, neutralize any uh, broad issues of, of character values uh, or, or health, et cetera, and just locally focus on the issue of, of, is this considered some form of taking money illegally? So here's, here's the case. Uh, of of uh, that is the classic example that's actually called an asmachta. A man borrowed money. When it comes time to pay back his loan, he does not have sufficient funds to re reimburse the entire debt. So he only pays a portion of the loan. Okay, so he borrowed a thousand dollars and uh, whatever he needed to buy a computer, whatever he borrowed a thousand dollars. But when it comes time to pay back, so he doesn't have all the money. So he takes only, he pays only a portion of the loan. Now the borrower uh, wants to make sure that the lender trusts that he's going to pay back the rest of the debt. So what does he say? If I do not pay by a certain date, give the lender, so he, excuse me, he gives the loan document to a third party. That's what happens in the Gemara. And the borrower says, if I don't pay back by a certain date, give the lender back his document. In other words, if I don't pay back by, by June 5th, so, so he can collect the whole loan, meaning give him back his document, give him back the, the document that says I owe him 1000 then he'll legally be able to collect 1000 Now, uh, he really only owes another 600 What if the Broward does not pay by, by that day? What happens if that fellow didn't pay by, by June 5th? Will that self-imposed conditional obligation, if I do not pay back the rest of the loan, I will penalize myself by paying it back in full. Does that hold up an abating in a rabbinical court? So, so the Gemara says that case, pay back part of a loan. He gave a star that gave the document to another person. If not, if I don't pay back by June 5th, so give him his star. He gives Manvelosan, he didn't, he didn't pay then. Rabbi Yossi Omer Yitain, Rabbi Yehuda Marlo Yitain. Machlokas in the Mishnah between the, 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 those Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda. So now the Gemara explains their Machlokas. But Maikamiflagi, what are they arguing about? Rabbi Yossi Savar Asmachta Kanya. Rabbi Yehuda Savar Asmachta Lo Kanya. Rabbi Yehuda and, Yo and Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, these two Tanoim argue about this fundamental halachic concept called Asmachta. And, and uh, Asmachta is when I make a condition and I'm relying on the fact that one of the two options is going to happen. And I don't really think the second option is going to happen. I'm so sure I'm going to pay back by June 5th. I say something uh, uh, outlandish, 
like like he can he can get the whole line, loan back. But I I'd never expected that I would be in the situation where when June fifth came I hadn't paid back already and I didn't have the money to pay back. So the Rishonim explain why an asmachta is ineffective. So we'll read this one in English, the Rashbam. Asmachta, this is where one person promises his friend something, meaning to, 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 to be able to, to pay back the whole loan, meaning to transfer the document back to the lender, on condition that he will do something in the future, which is paying back off his loan in a certain time frame. He thinks to himself at the time he makes the condition that he will be able to keep his word when the time comes. But when the time actually comes, due to circumstances beyond his control, he's unable to keep his word. So then asmachta is like samach, relying. So I'm relying on, on one of the two sides of the condition, the winning one, not the losing one. So now the Gemara says, Ein halacha karabiyosi. What did Rabbi Yossi say? Asmachta kanya. Which means that we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda that asmachta lo kanya. In which case, if somebody were to make an asmachta, um, like this loan case, so so it would be an invalid condition. Now, um, what about gambling? So we saw this as a discussion in the Gemara. Rami Barchama said that gambling is an asmachta, and Rav Sheshet said, let's go back to that source. Let's make sure I got the names right also. Rami Barchama says Asmachta and Asmachta Lokanya. And Rav Sheshes now. And, and that's the way we vow, we vow, we 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 rule. Um but Rav Sheshes says, Kolki Haigavna Lava Smachta. He says gambling is not an asmachta. Now let's return back to where we were. So Rashi plugs it into gambling. Asmachta, this is a tradition where a person does not give to another willingly, but rather when he originally made the condition, he was relying on one eventuality not happening. He thought he would be able to win at gambling, even though he knows that sometimes it ends that others beat him. So Vadim and Dina and Dima each relied on winning. When they each put their hundred bill on the on the park table, each one each one thought that he would walk away with the $200 that day. So that's what's behind Rami Barham, apparently. So why then might gambling not be considered an asmachta? What's behind Rav Sheshit's opinion? Anything like that is not considered, uh, this is in the same Rashi, kol gigai asmachti. So what's the case of an asmachta? So he gives two different cases in the Gemara, but one of them is our case of the loan. And then he says, Initially, he only made the condition with the understanding that he would never give what he agreed to because he thought the asmachta would never happen. Fine. He mistakenly thought he would never come to such a situation. But here we go. But in this case, gambling over dice, he did not rely on one of the two possibilities not happening because he knew that he might win and he might not win. And nevertheless, he still made the condition. We see that lack of certainty. We see that out of lack of certainty, he had complete intent to give, and it is not theft. In other words, Rav Shesha says, in gambling, you know that you sometimes might lose. This fellow didn't think he would ever be in a situation where he wouldn't have the money by, by that time, by June 5th. He was so sure of himself, so he made that outlandish condition. But in gambling, like in dice, sometimes you win, sometimes you, 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 you lose. So, so gambling is 
if X occurs, meaning if I win the game, you give me money. And if Y occurs, you win the game, I give you money. In order for a gift to be a gift, meaning I'll give you my money or you give me your money, there has to be das, there has to be dot, there has to be, be, be intent. So Vadim and Dima both said that they would, that the winner takes all. However, is there internal consent? So Rami Barhama says, even they, even though even though talented people sometimes lose at games, he's relying on winning. And Rav Sheshit says, is Rav Sheshit says only if a person does not expect one of the two possibilities to happen at all. So gambling is still a valid transaction with the necessary consent. Now, um, parenthetically, there's a Rabbeinu Tam. Now, Rambam seems to Paskin like Rav Because in the laws of theft, so he speaks about our sages forbidding many acts, and he includes dice playing, pigeon racing. So according to Rambam, this is robbery according to rabbinic decree, rabbinic level robbery. And let's read this in, although the owner himself consents to the other person's taking his money, since he is taking it without getting anything in return as part of this frivolous sport, it is considered to be rabbinic level robbery. So according to Rambam, it sounds like it sounds like the the uh, we'll go a couple extra minutes. Um, it sounds like the the Masachik uh, Bekuvia, the gambler, is not biblically theft, but rabbinic level theft. In other words. Uh, it's it's on paper both said uh that they're going to give the other one there is a knowledge that um that you might lose but people are giving the money begrudgingly and the and the and the and Chazal prohibited this kind of a a uh a winnings now, uh, an important seeming steer in the Ramam, seeming contradiction in the Ramam, if you'll remember the Ramam hold that only a professional gambler is invalid. But here he seems to say that any gambler, any gambling is considered theft. So the, the Vilna Gon's resolution is that they prohibited any gambling as rabbinic level theft but only rabbinically invalidated as a witness, someone who makes his livelihood from gambling. In other words, somebody, it is rabbinically prohibited to, to do any gambling, but Chazal didn't invalidate any gambler as a witness. Anybody, somebody who transgressed that particular rabbinic uh, prohibition would not be invalid as a witness. So now the Shulchan Aruch seems to pass like the Rambam. Rabbinic level theft, includes that. And then he talks about the 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 game. Uh, they they play with with wood or with or with pebbles or with or with bones, and they make this condition that whoever wins will take such and such amount of money. And the same thing with people that play with uh, animals or with uh, uh, which sounds like racing animals. And then it's conditioned that whoever's animal wins takes both animals. Now, the Rama, however, uh, takes a more lenient approach. And this is what makes the sugya, like from the Rambam, we would just say what Vadi Mandina did, what Vadi Mandima did was prohibited because because it was rabbinically prohibited 
Gamarnu. The Rama seems to take a lenient approach. If one is another profession, this is in the laws of, of theft. Besides gambling, even if he plays against another Jew, he is not invalid. See above in Chosen Mishpat. The custom already spread to follow the second approach to consider it permissible to play dice and only to invalidate one who has no other profession. In other words, he's not saying like the Rambam that all gambling is prohibited, but only a professional gambler is invalid as a witness. He's saying only a professional gambler is invalid as a witness because the other things are not prohibited. That's a leniency. Now, The what about this whole business of asmachta? So the Ramah has a a list of conditions which whittles away at this at this leniency to a very very minimal case. In other words, it's not that Shulchan Aruch says gambling is prohibited. Not only a professional gambler, but all gambling. And the Ramah says only professional gambler is prohibited. No. The Ramah says like this. He gives us a, 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 a complicated list um, of, of situations which are um, uh, which are the rules of Asmachta. And he writes his foul, and I'll read it in English. There are those who differentiate between three different situations in the laws of, of uh, asmachta. Any condition which is not in his control but is in another's is an asmachta no matter what, and is not effective. Fine. Any condition which is within his control, if he does not exaggerate, for instance, where he says, if I let the land lay fallow and do not work it, I will pay with high quality land. That's something with the sharecropper is not an asmachta, is, is an effective sale. If he exaggerates and says, if I do not work the land, I will pay a thousand silver coins. This is an asmachta and is not an effective sale. But here we go. But if keeping the condition is completely out of his or anyone else's hands, as with playing dice and the like, where he does not know if he will win or not, it's a game of chance. But he makes the condition anyways. He certainly consented to the transaction out of doubt. In other words, the whole idea of asmachta is I rely on this outcome and then, and I didn't even think about the other outcome. But in a game of chance, I know that there's two possibilities. Now, gambling is still limited, says the, says the Ramah, based on Rishonim. When does this apply? When they play with cash up front. But if they pay trusting that the winner will pay, the winner cannot exact payment in court. In other words, there has to be the certainty. They got to see the money in front of them. But if the money is pre-prepared on the board, it is permissible to play and it is not considered an asmachta. That's the Mordechai. This is against the approach that prohibits it no matter what, says that goat Mordechai. Some authorities only permit gambling if the board, the money is placed on is jointly owned by both players. In which case, though the that'll the works the rules of Kenyanim will follow. There is an approach that says that gambling is not considered on asmachta since both make conditions and not only one of them could lose because each one could also win. They consent to transfer the money if they lose. Therefore, if two people gamble, the transfer of money is binding if they each made a Kenyan, an active acquisition. This is providing that the outcome is not within their power, but if it is, they cannot gamble. And even regarding this, there are those who differ. Therefore, they had to give other reasons for how gambling might be permitted. In other words, and we're nearing the, our conclusion, even according to Ramah, to avoid prohibited gambling, the players would have to place the money down at the outset. So Dima and Vadim did that. On a jointly owned table, Vida and Vadim and Dima is in the park. Um, and it's a park table. Gamble only on a game where no skill is involved, where the outcome is not within his control. Chess is all skill. Before they begin, each would have to make an acquisition, agreeing to hand over the money if he loses. So Vadim and Dima did not do that. They just said, <coughs> excuse me. 
Vadim and Dima's chess game in the public park were not according to this fill-all conditions. The public chess table is certainly not jointly owned, though they bring their own board with them to the park, and one might be able to consider the park's chess table. Side Rishuta Rabim area is not on the main thoroughfare where personal acquisition is possible. Okay, possibility. But as far as people games that people gamble on, chess is probably the most skill-oriented one. I'm totally in control. Nothing is left to chance at all. So it's my wits against his wits. Okay, so afterwards we'll talk about uh, uh, the the class goes on to discuss uh, other games like poker. So the the uh, in conclusion, uh, betting on a chess game seems, even according to the Ramah, who takes the more lenient opinion about gambling, which is still extremely extremely limited, uh, would still assert would still prohibit betting on a on a chess game. Now again, in 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 some of the extra legal uh, 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 issues, um, so like games of chance and and uh, and uh, so might might be uh, something that you might consider more problematic. But in terms of the rules of asmachta, uh, the more a person thinks he will win and 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 is less open to the other possibility. Um, so, so the more it's, uh, the more there's a side to prohibit it. So those that were make ill, uh, besides the other conditions about the money and the Kenyan and the, and the, and the jointly owned table, uh, they were only lenient when it was a game of chance. So in terms of being invalid as a witness, so the halacha seems to invalidate only professional gamble, gambler. In terms of something like betting on a chess game, it seems to be both the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah would be stringent and, and prohibit that.